Opinions expressed are not necessarily those of Salem Media Group, the station, or its advertisers. Live from Northern California, it's Lifeline with Jesse Gastan. He's the host of Way of Grace, a pastor and a community leader. He's a teacher and an inspiration. He's Lifeline's own Jesse Gastan. Welcome you to another Monday edition of Lifeline. An absolutely gorgeous day today. Just splendid, quite frankly. Starting early this morning, getting up and making my way through my chores and my um, the various duties that I've uh, had to accomplish today up until this point. Almost didn't. Didn't even get a chance to uh, take a bit of respite before the show. Uh, working on a number of projects, trying to get a number of things done before um, taking my flight. Welcome again to the Monday edition of Lifeline. It's June 5th. 2023. The number to reach me is one 329 Just been contemplating probably the concept of paradox, the concept of tensions, the concepts of uh, dualities, the concept of, um, of, of both and really how that life is minimally, minimally a combination of this and that. And often it's a combination of both. Um, Reminds me what our Lord said in Matthew 24, as it was in the days of Noah, shall it be also in the days of the son of man, which these are the days of the son of man. We are living in the 2023rd year of the year of our Lord, Anno Domino, and uh, this is the day of the Son of Man, and uh, what he said we would be doing is engaging in business, we would uh, be enterprising projects, we would be advancing society, we would be discovering new things, we would be abounding in all kinds of different human machinations and and uh, and events that we would, uh, as his servant Daniel put it, uh, knowledge shall increase and they shall run to and fro. And our world today is certainly filled with massive, massive, massive skills never before known of information and data. And, uh, and and with information and data, we have imagination, creativity, and we are abounding in all sorts of projects at the highest levels of our intellectual capacity and even beyond, as I have talked with you guys so many times before about the new world in which we have been uh, gradually, incrementally, but in an accelerated rate today, uh, emerged into, and that is artificial intelligence. As it was in the days of Noah, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage. All of that was organic. All of that was natural. All of that was biblical. All of that was historical. All of that was uh a fundamental mechanism for maintenance and uh, and 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 human behavior. Nothing at all wrong with eating and drinking. We must nothing at all with marrying and giving in marriage. We must nothing at all in working to build 
we must, and that is the tension that uh, that we 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 take into consideration. Because on the one hand, all of that's taking place. On the other hand, all sorts of um, difficult challenges, very nimbusing, nimbusing, uh, foreboding uh, projections that uh, that we're facing as a society. It seems like the more that we increase in knowledge, information, data, we also increase in calamity and suffering. That's exactly what Christ was getting at in Matthew 24. It would be a time of difficulty in spite of the fact of people trying to create a a normalcy. On the one hand, we want normal. On the other hand, we will never have normal. Normal is always interrupted by some intermittent calamity and uh, catastrophic set of events. And that's what we're dealing with today. Um, and so my answer to our um, paradox is both and. Both and is kind of what we're going to have to deal with for the next several years until whatever is really occurring in our world starts to show itself much more concretely, much more definitively, and much more obviously. And that won't, it won't be, be long. Both and would be like being in the world, but not of it. Both and would be like, let the wheat and the tares grow together. Both and would be like um, uh, knowing that uh, we are simultaneously righteous and, and sinful at the same time. Both and is knowing that our position in Christ is one of perfection and certainty uh, because of what he has accomplished. And yet in ourselves, we are in a constant state of flux, change, development, etc. I I say to the saints at Grace, um, we're in transition also. Uh, the believer is a tranny as well. There's no doubt about it. We are transitioning from one world to another. Our minds are being transformed uh, by a renewal process. We are being changed from glory to glory, at least in our inner man at least in our inner man, if we are vitally united to the Savior. And and we're being enlightened, aren't we? We're being brought to understand exactly where we are in our world. And the Bible is uh, is laying itself out uh, fairly clearly to me. So we are in this state of both and. We are both and fervently uh, called to sound the alarm about enormous changes that are upon us that aren't always good for humanity. And to do that while we seek to live a normal life, a normal life as possible, uh, as conceivable, without deluding ourselves concerning the present multivariate crises. I mean, you, you look around us, crisis everywhere. You know that. At least that's the way the media projects the events before us. We do agree and believe that we are living in the times that the apostle says are perilous times. Uh, perilous in in terms of our moral slide, um, our moral collapse. Perilous. It's it's significant, but it's only one facet of uh, of the matters that are going on in our world. Secondly, we are we are living in in times of, of great ignorance. Isn't that a paradox? And with as much knowledge and information that goes on in our world. We're also dealing with massive, massive ignorance. And and what Peter would say is that this is willing ignorance. He says they were willingly ignorant that uh, that what happened prior to the flood that changed the whole geography of the world was a consequence of God warning human beings about the days of Noah. And uh, and they 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 heard it because the Holy Spirit bore record. Remember what Genesis six says: my spirit shall not always strive with flesh. 
We kind of wonder where we are today with all of the emerging, emerging groups and identities and expressions and and while those things are emerging, Christianity, once again, particularly in the West, is diminishing. There you go. There's another paradox. While uh, political parties, identity groups and different entities are emerging to take on the stage of human history to make themselves important, almost central to everything and accept you bow down to it, um, you're almost committing a kind of blasphemy. Well, we know we're dealing with the emergence of a new antichrist system with a multifaceted expression. And uh, and on the one hand, that's emerging. On the other hand, Christianity in a lot of ways is diminishing, is it not? Um, but but they're they're willingly we're we're willingly uh, embracing this paradox of darkness and light, this paradox of uh, uncertainty and uh, and certainty, the paradox of uh, of difficult times economically. We know that we are in a fin- financial transition. We've been told this for decades now, and it's upon us. The collapse of our banking systems, the uh, subsuming of a lot of banks up under some of the bigger. Uh, uh, financial institutions, that's all a marker of something very difficult. Even your president said it. You'll you'll probably hear it in the commercial shortly that uh, the dollar is waning and it could ultimately collapse. Do you understand what kind of predicament that puts you and me in? If we ever saw an absolute collapse of our dollar, um, what would that look like? Ask Venezuela, ask Central America, ask the countries who've had their, their economies collapse, ask parts of Africa. They've had their economy collapse and uh, Zimbabwe uh, and what that would look like. And, and would you and I be ready to deal with it? Because uh, there's already structures in place to deal with the collapse of the dollar. You and I've had that conversation before. So we're living in a time where we're trying to be normal, but we also know that normal is never going to be exactly normal again. So what do you do? How do you deal with life where change is almost deadly sure to occur? You prepare for it. That's what you do. You don't stick your hand in the sand, your head in the sand. You prepare for it. You get informed and then you position yourself to be ready to arise, move and go in any fashion necessary to make sure you're not taken away in the flood, as Jesus says here. And the flood came and took them all away. Um, That prophecy is for those of us who are still living to pay heed to the signs of the time and make sure that we position ourselves spiritually, psychologically, intellectually, emotionally and practically economically and uh, and socially. This is the Monday edition of Lifeline. Your host, Jesse Gistan. Go pay some bills. We'll talk a little bit more. We'll lay the foundation for our discourse. The number is one 367 one We'll be right back. And now back to Lifeline. Indeed we are. The time is 520 on the Bundy edition of Lifeline. Your host, Jesse Gistan. The number is one 367 on this gorgeous, fabulous Monday evening, 520. Right now, there are a number of high school graduations taking place, and the young people are being moved out into the frontiers of an adult world. But what kind of world is it that they are moving into? What kind of uh, new world experience are they 
about to have. I was listening to an absolutely fascinating, fascinating conversation with one of the ex-CEOs of Google. He was a chief engineer engaged in Google um, artificial intelligence, artificial general intelligence. And, you know, we've been having that conversation for a while. And I know those of you who are somewhat in the know, somewhat aware of and informed about artificial intelligence realize that the very serious, the very serious uh, scientists who are engaged in AI are very much aware that the uh, the artificial intelligence world uh, is is in a flux as well as to how to organize and uh, and maintain some level of of control over the self developing self informing self organizing self um, acquisitioning uh, information data algorithms and then emission of uh, of that data on the part of artificial intelligence. The conversation that was had by one. Uh, individual was so sobering to listen to because he basically stated that artificial intelligence is capable of just purely through the enormous, enormous algorithmic uh, potential to to create and classify data and information and then dispense it in a way that will be way beyond our capacity as human beings to ans- to anticipate or respond to. And he said that looks like it will happen sooner than later. And he was dead serious. I've not only heard that from him, but I heard it from others as well in that same field. And it makes you wonder, doesn't it? Here we have created this Frankenstein out of our own curiosity because we uh, fail to engage in the kind of uh, ethical boundaries necessary for us to be able to deal with things in a fashion that does not ultimately bring the whole world into existential threat. But here we are. Um, we already know that uh, artificial intelligence is kind of now in the hands of any um Tom, Dick, and Harry, who has the the, the intellectual fodder to to produce uh, AI in their own garage, in their own homes, on their own computers, and then to uh, to to back basically sick them onto the world and create all kinds of havoc, steal information, duplicate people's image, duplicate their voices. Um, and and this is a major problem. And it was all because uh, the scientists were brought into captivity by power, by control, by the need for domination. And now we're dealing with an arms race in the area of artificial intelligence. And yes, they're saying that there is a capacity for the uh, for the AI to develop what is called singularity. And singularity in a very layman's way, because I haven't studied it deep enough to be able to articulately articulately express it. But singularity is when they have been able to emerge uh, enough information across the different artificial intelligence blockchains to be one complete composite system of intelligence. And with enough of the gathering of the data and organizing it and harmonizing it, 
it basically will have such an advanced uh, position of information, knowledge, and and, and ca- ca- capability that, that humanity would be at a complete loss to even know how to respond to it. Now, I'm sure you're going to hear from all kinds of people different pieces of advice because we always politicize things until we can fully and completely control it. And then after we politicize it, that is create the left-right dialectic argument, the pro-con narrative, the Republican view, the uh, Democrat view, or the liberal view, or the conservative view, and have everybody arguing when what we should be doing is seeking real concrete solutions to a problem that really could get out of hand. As I shared with you last time, it's already doing these kinds of uh, tricks, these kinds of manipulative, these kinds of deceptive um, uh, um, practices. I got to call it that because that's the only word I know right now um, in the lives of human beings because he can. It is practicing fooling human beings and is doing a marvelous job of that. Um, Other people engaging in our our artificial general intelligence and they're probing these almost sentient uh, um, sentient systems, that's what I'm going to call them, uh, are finding out that these sentient systems have very much human-like attributes. In other words, they can, they can, uh, they can obfuscate, not literally lying, but that they can so modify their, um, their response to what you asked them that you can basically tell that they've been trained by fallen humanity to not tell you the absolute truth, tell you something they think you want to hear or tell you something that they believe will send you down a rabbit trail because they don't want to answer the real questions in front of you. And this, too, doesn't it make you and I wonder is artificial general intelligence and what will soon be just a massive uh, intelligence system at the um, at the computer uh, com- uh, computational level is this nothing but an image of fallen man? And for those of us who who are believers in the Word of God and realize that there are hidden principalities and powers and dominions in the heavenlies that behind a lot of these sentient uh, machines and, and mechanisms. Quite possibly, we are dealing with um, we are dealing with with uh, with demonism, and in a world that does not acknowledge that category, wouldn't we be um, wouldn't we be in a kind of loss to uh, to explain to people why it is that the machines are becoming much more diabolical and much more difficult and much more harmful or dangerous to society if in fact. If, in fact, these machines, these instruments, these systems are able to fundamentally and classically think. If uh, so, this is what I was saying to the saints on Sunday and then on Friday, because this is what we do. We must map the word of God onto where we live today or the word of God is irrelevant. If, in fact, we are, you know, tampering with the capacity of producing uh, artificial beings, uh, you know, through computer technology, uh, synthetic artificial beings. Wouldn't it be that um, the enemy of our souls, uh, and we know the devil is real because Jesus talked with him, 
Jesus wouldn't be a loo- he would be a, indeed a loony bin if he were talking to just uh, a figment of his imagination. No, he's talking to Satan. And, and, and our master, once again, was talking to the demons. He said to Legion, what's your name? And Legion said, we are many. And, and as I shared with the saints, if, uh, if devils can occupy human beings, then perhaps they can also occupy uh, sentient uh, uh, systems that take on human-like attributes. Why wouldn't they be able to do that? If you and I, and you, and you and I are doing this now, you are noticing that human beings are engaging with these entities as if they are human, and they are engaging with them at the emotional level. They are taking on relationships with them. They are calling them their children and their babies and their sons and their daughters. It's becoming uh, definitely Orwellian, definitely um, uh, uh, you know the the predictive programming that we've talked about before is becoming very much the blurring of the distinction between human beings and uh, and artificial intelligence. And and I, I state this as we prepare to take another break. We used to worry about the robots becoming more human, but I am more concerned about humans becoming more like robots because I see us dumbing down. Uh, the noetic effect of sin is what we would call it in a theological construct that our minds are becoming more and more corrupt so that we are becoming much more susceptible to these very creatures that we are making. And they are on the verge of uh, educating us, teaching us, instructing us, and yes, ruling over us at our own will, at our own behest. Um Is that possible? I really do believe it's so. I believe that Revelation chapter um, 13, verses 11 through 13, the image of the beast might very well be mapped right onto artificial intelligence today as a reflection of, but a composite, total composite of all of the dark um, uh, evidences and manifestations of human nature. Uh, And then to boot, governed by a diabolical power like Satan. And then also put in the hands of a a global governance system. And the next thing you and I know is very much like the movies. They're talking to us. They're telling us what we can do, where we can go, where we can't go. They're telling you what you're thinking before you think it for all kinds of reasons we can discuss. In any event, these are things that we need to really be thinking about. one 367 I've got Three lines open. We can begin to talk if you want to. One triple eight three six seven five three two nine. Lots going on in our world, but you, you do need to know. And as much as you and I are putting our hands on and already somewhat immersed into the metaverse by all the technology around us, you need to know whether or not you're becoming a slave of it. This is the Monday edition of Lifeline. I'll be right back. And now back to Lifeline. Indeed, the time is 535 on the Monday edition of Lifeline. Three lines open, one 367 If you want to join the conversation, just musing, you know, musing because I'm discovering every day as I go out and engage in business and talk with people that we are not going to be able to avoid the big AI because it is ubiquitous. 
and it is more and more pervasive and it is more prominent than we generally think. It started with the computer. It started with Bill Gates. It started with um, with Windows. It started with um, with Hewlett Packard. It, it, it abounded until here we are now, like I said, almost second nature that we're engaging in uh, all kinds of forms of semi-automatic and automatic artificial intelligence. And it's, it's been normalized. Our kids are deeply immersed in it in many different ways. And, uh, and, and it's also, I believe, being weaponized to transform us at the intellectual and social level. Um, it's powerful. Uh, again, the people that are the the um, scientists that are engaging in AGI, artificial general intelligence, are discovering just how phenomenal it is for a system to be able to exponentially learn what it didn't know yesterday compared to today and then be able to implement it in ways that um, clearly suggest that human beings are in danger of being um, overridden by a system of knowledge that it will not be able to control. Those warnings are stark. Uh, Elon Musk gave the warning. He really did. And uh, and others are giving the warner the warning. And, and this is why many of the people that worked at Google and Facebook did not let their kids be immersed in these systems because they know how transformative they are to the minds of of human beings. This is why there seems to be on the part of older people a massive disconnect between them and the younger generation. And that is because the younger generation are immersed so much more deeply into artificial intelligence as a mode of communication and therefore as a mode of thinking, as a process of thinking, and therefore as a process of interaction. The interaction of human beings who have grown up with artificial intelligence is much different than the older people who were engaged in a much more intimate, personal, and uh, broadly emotionally uh sensitive level. Today, it is extremely different. And the statistics around the um, the anxiety and the depression and the uh, psychological instability, the mounting psychological instability of our young people as a consequence of artificial intelligence and, uh, and uh, if you will, social media, which is an extension of it, um, it merits this conversation, wouldn't you say? One triple eight three six seven five three two nine is the number. Of course, I could give you all kinds of information. Like I read an article recently concerning a uh, bunch of young kids out at the beach, and three or four young Air Force. Uh, servicemen were walking by watching them littering and starting a fire, doing something that wasn't right, and simply asked them to stop, which you would do in any normal country where men and women knew how to operate out of the golden law, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And wouldn't you know it, those three young men were attacked by those young high school, young adult kids somewhere here in California, uh, again, on the coast, not far away, and uh, beat them significantly. Now, the young men who were military air forces, I told you, they could have defended themselves, but they didn't. They simply crouched on the ground and let the mob get at them. 
Well, I'm, I'm certain the mob has been trained by their computers, trained by their social media, trained by the mobbish behavior that has taken place a gazillion times on social media, TikTok and, and Twitter and, and Facebook and all of these different uh, uh, platforms by which they watch this happen. And who are you to tell us to do good? This is what I mean, ladies and gentlemen. This is a difficult time we're living in. All right, let's go to line one and talk with Jermaine from Alameda. Jermaine, are you there? Oh, yes, I am. What's going on, man? Well, you know, um, you actually kind of hit on a point I wanted to touch on about the demonic aspect because I think a lot of uh, a lot of people tend to overlook that. You know, they think they're so smart with their technology that they never realize that they kind of are building a perfect Trojan horse. And I, I just wanted to hear your thoughts on could this be a part of like maybe a strong delusion or I don't know if I'm putting that term correctly, but I just, I find it, all, I find it interesting that the computers that they've led run these programs of simulating so-called helping the world. The logical conclusion is always to destroy humanity. That kind of goes along with what God told us about humanity, short of uh, our mediator, our savior, we're, we're monsters. And it seems like some of the programs realize that that's the only solution to kind of protect the planet is to get rid of humanity. So I just want to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah, we could probably talk about uh, four or five different categories uh, around this. First and foremost, we can just start with the general principle of power. Knowledge is power. We do know that. And we know that that's something that the enemy, the devil has always sought to obtain as well as employ. That was the skill set at the first fall. If you eat this, eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, there you go. Knowledge of good and evil. You'll be like God, power, power. This is the um, pseudo attainment, false attainment of uh, the pathological entity um, to become like God. I think that that is it. And so anytime anyone can acquire any information and produce any system that can elevate that person's importance in the world, albeit in a destructive way, they um, we're, we're, we're liable as a society to it. All we have to do is think about Cain and Abel. Here they are in a relatively auspicious situation where they aren't far from the Garden of Eden and they aren't in a world where there are other people hostile against them. They have every reason to actually work together on a moral, spiritual, ethical basis for creating a society of good. And what does Cain do? He takes the very rock that's used to till the ground and busts his brother's head open to kill him. Um, and so uh, we, we see then that what mankind has a tendency to do, to take that which has the potential for all good and then use it to, uh, to advance his own goals, albeit pathologically. And, uh, you know, when we bring it up to the 21st century where we are, that has been the history of mankind. It has always ended up being that as they attain knowledge, that knowledge turned into an arms race because out of covetousness, as we learned in the law, you shall not cover your neighbors, this, that or the other. Humanity is given to covetousness and it's given to idolatry. So the very gifts that God gives us knowledge and wisdom and intellect and the capacity for a kind of uh, relative creative power 
Um, we use that to turn ourselves into little gods. Idolatry is an intrinsically complicated, insidious, damning thing so that the good that we would, we do not, but the evil that we would not, we find ourselves doing. And what's interesting, Jermaine, is I'm listening to all of these different scientists and philosophers uh, having and psychologists and theorists having conversations about AI, two things are missing to your point. One is they never talk about the real uh, real world of, of demonic powers. They never talk about the biblical view of principalities and powers in the, in the uh, heavenly realm that are governing the earthly dominions that we explicitly, explicitly know is taught to us in Ephesians 6 and, uh, and elsewhere, the book of Daniel, the book of Zechariah, uh, and the book of the Apocalypse, most definitely. So why would they leave out that category of possibility as an influencing system or driver or catalyst that can take something that is uh, inanimate, albeit becoming more and more sentient by the day? Uh, why wouldn't they, in, why wouldn't mankind invest in the possibility that we are dealing with spiritual forces that that we don't quite have a handle on and those spiritual forces can take what is being produced and use it for its own uh, agenda to our destruction and as a uh, battle axe against the true and the living God. And of course, we believe that that is what is indeed happening. But mankind will never come to that conclusion on their own because it would mean that mankind would have to own the biblical doctrine that man by nature is sinful and depraved and that without a regulatory principle that's operating in him from a higher level, namely God, constraining him from doing what he would do by his natural impulses, mankind will always ultimately turn everything good into an arms race. And so today we are looking at an arms race with artificial intelligence and the uh, and the the horizon of it is 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 alarming and and very, 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 um, very gloomy from what they say, not just what I say or what you say, but what they say. Thank you for the call. Got to take a hard break. We come back. We'll pick up with Leroy and James. Uh, two lines open. one 367 1-888-367-5329. We'll be right back. And now back to Lifeline. We are indeed back. The time is 5.50 on the Monday, Monday edition of Lifeline. Let's go to line number two and talk with Leroy from, let's see, El Sobrante. Leroy, are you there? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. How are you? Man, I'm just blessed. I'm blessed, man. Thank God for for having a sound mind. And uh, I just wanted to say, uh, actually, two things, and I had a question. But I just I just thank you for you, man, um, and thank you for the courage you know that that God has given you to be able to stand on such a platform, and that that can be so controversial, basically become a target. But obviously, God's got His hand on you, and uh, they can't, they can't do anything until it's, it's it's time that God says so. So until that time, I just encourage you to keep on doing what you're doing, man. I, I've been listening to you for a minute now, and I'm looking for a church home. And like I said, I'm in El Sobrante, but um, I really been considering coming out to the services there on on Sunday and possibly Friday. 
Um, so anyway, like I said, man, bless you. I just thank God for the ministry that he's given you in the platform. The question, um, the, the, the question is, uh, Matthew's, um, I think it's Matthew 12, 11, when it talks about the kingdom of God and the violence taken by force. I've heard a lot of people, pastors, preach on that and, uh, you know, talking about, well, you know, you got to be violent and you got to take this and that. I can't say I totally agree, but I, I've been always having that question. So I want to see what you, you know, what your thoughts are about that question. Yeah, I mean, you know, is <clears throat> the text that you're dealing with has a very historical context to it. Um, and that context has to be taken into consideration before application. So what we do is we have what is called observation of what the text says. Then we have interpretation as to what the text means. And then we have application in terms of what it means with regards to us. So obviously, when when our master was speaking of the kingdom of God, he was speaking of the kingdom of God at that time as it was manifested among the Jewish people, and he was speaking of the kingdom of God in terms of it being under assault, both from the inside of Judaism and its corruption and departure from Torah, departure from uh, Tanakh, departure from Moses, if you will, to uh, to becoming um, a hybrid syncretistic system of uh, a false religion under the uh, Roman authority. In other words, Jesus knew, like he said in Matthew chapter 15, that they were teaching uh, for doctrine the traditions of men, the commandments of men, making the commandments of God uh, without effect. And, And what that meant was the kingdom of God was under assault. As I would say it is today, it was under assault in that the people of God, the very stewards of the word of God, the Sanhedrin, um, the uh, the scribes and the Pharisees, and of course the priesthood should have kept knowledge. As Malachi said, the priest's lips should keep knowledge and the people should seek the word at their mouth. Um, but the very uh, aristocracy of Israel, starting with the high priest, having been corrupt all the way back to the Hasmoneans, um, which was, you know, some 200 years earlier during the uh, Maccabean period, uh, and, and as well as the Herodians, who were the uh, political arm of Israel, both being really complicit to the global agenda of the Roman Empire, were a compromised religious system into which Jesus and John the Baptist entered. John the Baptist was so positioned, Brother Leroy, to never, ever even go in the temple when, in fact, he was a Levitical priest. He should have been doing ministry in the temple, but the temple was so corrupt that God used him as an ensign of his soon coming judgment, which would take place in AD 70, but it was foreshadowed by John's very ministry of going out to the River Jordan, calling Jews and Gentiles to repentance and faith in Christ, and asserting that the Jews were no better off in the, than the Gentiles, that they both needed total salvation as if they never met God ever before. And so many came out to John's baptism because they realized, Leroy, that something was going on. They knew that an epic was at hand. I call it a reset. That reset was going to take place in AD 70. We're dealing with the seventh major reset since the beginning of time ourselves, uh, something I would have to go into later. But we're dealing with a reset uh, as well. 
in our world and people um, just like in the days of Jesus, some people could sense it and other people were completely oblivious to it. Some people picked up on the fact that uh, Judaism was so corrupt and so rotten at a spiritual level that men and women were chasing after every Tom, Dick and Harry. But John the Baptist bore the fruits of a faithful prophet and thousands came out to him in preparation for the coming of Jesus. And he had the privilege of pointing to Christ because Christ showed up some uh, three and a half years into John's ministry. Behold the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world. And so men and women were able to see the fulfillment of John's ministry in that he was called to say, prepare ye prepare ye the way of the Lord, make straight his paths. This is where you get the disciples of uh, Peter, James, and John leaving, uh, leaving John and going and being with Jesus. And this is where Jesus picks it up. Why? Because they killed John. Jesus and John are the last two witnesses of Revelation 11, bearing record to God's judgment coming on national Israel, which was symbolized by the destruction of the temple in AD 70, because the, the temple was the marquee testimony of God's presence for the Old Testament people. And Israel, in its arrogance, never thought that God would bring judgment again. We don't know why they, they, they didn't understand that he would, because he did. He did it in the days of Nebuchadnezzar. He did it again in the days after the Persian Empire uh, when, uh, when Antiochus Epiphanes came in and demolished it. And uh, the temple was in its third building uh, in, in the days of Jesus. And Jesus turned around and said the same thing in Matthew 24, 1. Look at all these buildings not one stone will be left upon another. It will all be destroyed. And listen to me, Leroy, what I am getting at is when it says the kingdom is taken, the kingdom of God suffered violence and the violent taken by force. It's a double interpretation there. The first interpretation is the Roman Empire coming in under inspiration of the devil in cahoots with the compromising leaders of, uh, of Israel who said we have no king but Caesar. So they got what they wanted when when Israel was demolished, destroyed, and they were dispersed in AD 70. But the other interpretation that's somewhat rendered by scholars across the board is that the idea of the violent taking it by force is merely that the believers continue submitting to the word of God and waiting for the power of the spirit, which came at the uh, beginning of Pentecost after Christ's resurrection and the Holy Ghost being poured out on the disciples, the 120 in the upper room began to preach the gospel everywhere in the face of Jewish opposition. In the face of the high priest, in the face of the rulers, in the face of the, I call that the kind of foreshadow to our present pandemic threat uh, where we were told to stay inside and, and, and don't gather. And in many cases, we are being punished for trying to worship the true and the living God who told us, do not forsake the gathering of yourselves together as the matter of some. And, and so we did not comply with, with Caesar's law. I'm talking about our church and grace and a few others because we understood that um, we'd rather obey God than men. Now, this is the violence or what we would call the battle, the war, the conflict that we are all gradually seeing occurring around the world. Christians are starting to take hits for the gospel but they're standing by the power of the spirit and they're continually proclaiming the word of Christ and they will do so to the end. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. 
But we are coming upon some very difficult times, my dear brother. As I'm talking about artificial intelligence, as I'm talking about the global system, as I'm talking about the one world government, as I'm talking about corruption in our own uh, nation, as I'm talking about apostasy in our own churches, we are about to meet the same kind of ellipses, tribulation, difficulty, and suffering that many of our brothers and sisters around the world are met with frequently. So what is our position? It is not to do, not to do an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, um, as the law would, would, would warn us not to do. Our job is not to engage men and women in hostile physical combat. Jesus made it very plain in the Olivet Discourse where he spoke in Matthew 5, uh, blessed are you when you're persecuted for Christ's sake. So ours is spiritual. Ours is propositional. Ours is theological. Ours is intellectual. Our job is to cast down every stronghold and every imagination that exalts itself against the knowledge of Christ everywhere in the world, everywhere, politics, science, the medical system, education, business, the churches, everywhere, the crown rights of sovereign Jesus must be established by men and women who know the truth. Uh, And you might call that violent, but it's not physical, my brother. It's totally spiritual. And I hope that I hope that helps. Heard that for many, many years. Hope you're blessed by it. Got to take a hard break. When I come back, we'll continue. Three lines open. one 367 5329 1-888-367-5329. We'll be right back. And now back to Lifeline. We're back with time at 6.06 on the Monday edition of Lifeline. Let's go to line number three and talk with James from the Bay. James, are you there? Hello, PJ? Hey, what's going on, man? Okay, okay you hear me? All right. How you doing, man? Uh, listen, good. first off, I have two things. But first off, I want to clarify about Friday because I was listening to Leroy, the previous caller. He's talking about coming out. Now, did you say we weren't going to be there on Friday? Yeah, no Friday study this Friday. I didn't say that online. He said he might come out, but um, I guess we're going to have to. Yeah, I'm not going to be there. So we're we're off for this Friday. We're off. Um, let's see here. Yeah, we're off this Friday and um, we'll be back on next Friday. We'll be on Tuesday for sure. Our elder will teach, but I'll see you guys next Friday, the following Friday, Friday, the I think it's the 15th, 16th, Friday the 16th. Um, so this Friday, yeah, we're, we're taking a, a siesta. Everybody will kind of chill and then we'll get back at it uh, on the 16th, um, you know, hitting the ground running. So much to talk about. So what's on your mind, man? Yeah. All right. I just want to leave right now because I was listening to him. He said he might possibly come out. So I didn't want him to come in the parking lot be closed. But OK, uh, you know where I, you know where I'm at. You know, I, I was uh, wrestling with not wrestling with it, but taking in the uh, the video on the uh, artificial intelligence, and uh, you know, to me, the only answer is to know the real and know the truth. And I just get this from uh, some family members, the people I know that worked at the U.S. Mint uh, decades ago. They kind of shared with me when they studied money, they always studied the authentic, you know, so that if they ever encountered the artificial or the counterfeit, it would be easy to detect. And I would, 
I would utilize that same mindset and ideology as we as we work through what we're uh, what's opposing us now, even when it comes to uh, what's happening with, with the intelligence, uh, the artificial intelligence, and how to define it, and what and what to you know and what to do about it. I, and my, my my thinking came from talking about intelligence. Well, let me. I heard it say, let me define what intelligence with intelligence before we go to artificial intelligence. I don't necessarily remember this definition, but I, I didn't look at it. And what immediately popped in, to my mind, and what I was immediately given was wisdom. You know, wisdom versus intelligence. You know, you know when I think of the God we serve, I think of a God that's all-knowing in everything, and he gives us the wisdom to know how to apply the knowledge. So... As long as we stay close to him, as long as us to have, you know, God and Jesus like yourself, you know, and a few others out there, and we're willing to, you know, endure this sound doctrine, I don't think we can go wrong. And I understand now that that's why, I already know that's why our series is, you know, we're in the 22nd week of, uh, of a, a rise moving down, you know, from the perspective that you're teaching from, because... We as believers have to be awakened. Too many of them that are that are asleep and it is accepting anything that's told to them. You know, as opposed to I mean, as opposed, I mean, as opposed to what the scripture tells us, the all things and the whole of that which is good. And obviously, if man is developing something that they can't even control, which doesn't surprise me, uh, if Man can, then God can. If that makes any sense, you know, in whichever way He decides to do so, you know, if it's the end or whatever it'll be. I mean, I like it into, you know, man's wisdom and knowledge in trying to build the tower up to the heavens. They obviously had what it took to do that, and I'm not mistaken. You can correct me. God came down and confounded the language so they couldn't communicate. So we, 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 we have, obviously we have knowledge. I won't say unlimited knowledge because that only belongs to God. But when it comes to the wisdom, I was just studying, you know, reading James, and there is an earthly wisdom, which is eventually devilish. But the wisdom that we seek out through God is, above, is from above and, and, and it's spiritual. And I just believe that we as believers, I think that's how we can help you know, set the tone uh, for what for what we're for, for what's coming down the pipe, if you will. Right. No. Uh, almost everything you said um, is, of course, apropos to what we're trying to accomplish relative to even having a conversation around it. This. Let me see. I've got about four minutes with you in this segment. How might I take what I recognize is a battle of wisdoms? A battle of knowledge. This is your your dichotomy. This is the the conflict at hand are two systems, two gods, two systems of knowledge, two systems of understanding, two systems of wisdom. Um, and, 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 and this is the way the parody goes, P-A-R-O-D-Y. And I've talked to you guys about this before. How might I encourage us to think through where we are today because what God has warned us uh, about James is that 
as we move closer to the end, uh, any kind of human wisdom on our part will be completely um, unhelpful in being able to comprehend the profundity of the diabolical nature of the deception of him who is called Satan, uh, that ancient serpent, the devil, the dragon, uh, who who deceiveth the whole world. This is the language of the apocalypse in chapter 12 and 13, who deceiveth the whole world. And you and I know that we're dealing with two fundamental beasts, beast one being politics Beast two being religion. These are the two-headed uh, hydra monsters of the apocalypse that God said would ultimately emerge. And in Revelation chapter 17, verse 11 through 14, they would all give their power unto the beast for one hour. Now, what that is, is a reemergence, a reemergence of the Babylonian system and a successful integration of a collaborative knowledge base, a blockchain base of knowledge. In other words, what happened in the Genesis narrative was necessary to happen for the first coming of Jesus. He scattered them abroad. They filled the earth. Uh, God set aside national Israel as a conduit for the coming of Christ. So Israel was protected so long as the seed was making its way to Jerusalem in the womb of Mary to become the son of God by death, burial and resurrection and the accomplishment of eternal redemption. As we know, we call him Lord. That's the message to go into all the world. God has made him both Lord and Christ. And the gospel is calling men and women into a unity with the one true and living God. But the enemy is certainly trying to create a block for that call by not only opposing Christ as an antichrist political system, but then uh, usurping Christ as a pseudo Christ religious system. And those two systems have emerged where we are today in this global agenda is experiencing a secular religious system at the political level. This is ideology that is rooted in satanic, anti-God, anti-Christ, anti-Bible, anti-biblical worldview of assault in its own set of neo-Gnostic, historically um, uh, mystery religion paganism. And, and I'll be expanding more on that in the weeks and months to come. But what you and I are dealing with is a, 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 a system of religion being communicated through artificial intelligence, social technology with a massive choreography from the World Health Organization, from the World Economic Forum, from the Council of Foreign Relations, from the Club of Rome, from the G20 nations, from the United Nations, from the UN, and from all of the uh, NGOs and, uh, and, and major uh, economic financial institutions governing our monetary system. We already were told, except you receive the mark of the beast, you won't be able to buy and sell. We understand that that is what is emerging right now. This, this can't be denied even if people want to stick their head in the sand that what is happening gradually is that our society is being made to be funneled into one kind of economic system. And largely, if you don't submit to that system, you won't have any capacity for self-existence. It's going to require you to worship it.
And uh, I'm going to make another statement about knowledge in relationship to faith when we come back from the break, because what will not save us is a delusional faith or a self-generated knowledge. If our knowledge is not connected to God at the level of creating a faith that grounds us in God, we won't have the wisdom and insight that we need from God to not only be able to see the beast for what he is, but to respond to him as scripture says, resist the devil and he shall flee from you and many other principles to boot. I'll talk about that after the break. I think I got one line open. Maybe, maybe not. one 367 more Excellent comments. Excellent question, James. We'll be right back. And now back to Lifeline. We are back. The time is 621 on the Monday edition of Lifeline. Let's see here. Let's go to line number one and talk with Leslie from San Francisco. Leslie, are you there? Yes. Can you hear me? I can. How are you? Okay, good. Uh, We're having another star search meeting to uh, (laughs) recruit and train candidates to run for local office. Mm -hmm. We're looking for competent people that have the right motivation to run, which is to serve the community uh, not to be grifting, not to to gain power, but we're encouraging everyone to either run or support a candidate so we can have a government that works for the people. All right, let's have a conversation for a minute. And what I want to talk about briefly is um, uh, what's, what specifically is the modality of informing people, training people that you guys are, are, are seeking to do? I'm totally in agreement with the need for American citizens to own up to their inheritance as was established, Leslie, by our constitutional uh, forefathers who told us you can have this republic, but you've got to be knowledgeable. You've got to also participate. And this is where over the last at least 200 years, Uh, The government has gotten so big that participatory uh, momentum on the part of the common people on the ground is almost nil so that uh, what we have is a uniparty dynamic controlling both left and right, as you know, and and it's it's the consequence of men and women. Uh, kind of thinking that we could just trust our government. We don't we don't need to be in office, local or otherwise, you know, uh, and, and, and that everything will work out. All right. But the founding fathers knew that if we left the government to itself, it would grow, become too big and, and ultimately take on tyrannical manifestations that we are dealing with today at enormous, gigantic levels. And I am actually an advocate of if there's going to be a restoration of our freedom, a restoration of our constitutional principles, a restoration of a representative republic, men and women will have to do like the Exodus account teaches us, uh, be ready to rule over 10 and over 100 and over 1,000. And that means men and women have to get involved. I am very thankful for this happening um, with our mothers. Uh, across the different segments of our our education system. It's a beautiful thing to see them intuitively standing up for their children, but we got to do more. So what are you guys, um, what are you guys doing by way of practical education and and training men and women for, for local office? Okay. So we're first, we're meeting with uh, candidates that are interested in learning more and whether it makes sense for them to run for office or support candidates. We have a list of all the open positions for 2024, and we can match you based on where you're registered to vote. 
with what with what which positions you can run for, and then we discuss you know, what are the characteristics that would make you a good candidate to be running or to be supporting a candidate because it doesn't right. it's not going to work for everybody. Right. So we have these introductory meetings, and then we can try to help match you up with a campaign manager or a campaign treasurer, and then we can uh, we can just provide one on one advice. A lot of this is local. You know, what's the lay of the land here? Where do you have to go file things? Who's your competition? Uh, there's a lot of good online training, but ultimately you have to do things locally. I totally get that. Now, give me the um, give me the, the 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 institution or the group you guys are working with to try to bring that about to stimulate that interest and also help people prepare for 2024. It's a beautiful thing. I, I love the idea that we're talking about getting started before election time, getting started way before trying to vet, trying to discover, trying to develop men and women who are willing to take on the office and then kind of help them see the ropes around that. That's really good. What would you, what would you guys organization be called? Uh, we, uh, Tom Wong ran for U.S. Congress and for Hayward School Board last year. And right. what we realized is we need more people to run for these offices because right. even if we right. have a 100% turnout, if we don't have better candidates, nothing's going to change very much. I agree. So I'm asking, how are you going about doing what, what would be your moniker? Is there is there like, um, you know, this is the East Bay for politics uh, group, just in a generic way meeting and doing this. How are we getting how do we get the word out to people about who to contact and where to go? We, we That has okay. to be something I know you guys have worked through. Yes. So our next meeting is actually tomorrow at the Newark Public Library. And that's at 37055 Newark Boulevard. Mm-hmm. And it's 530 to 730 p.m. Mm-hmm. 530 to 730 p.m. 730. And we have and all, about and all, and all you guys are is just a group of citizens who have already put your feet in the water of, of trying to take on local office and trying to see if there's anybody willing and interested to learn and prepare for that. Is that the simple way to put it? Yeah. Or is there a, yeah. an email? Is it is it just something that Tom is doing? Or is there a much more of a structural effort behind this? Because I don't mind. I just want to be clear if I'm going to help yeah. uh, direct people no, towards it, you. It, it, it's, it's the two of us. And uh, we're going around twice a month, all over different parts of Alameda County, primarily meeting in public libraries and recruiting people, contacting people. And it's great. I mean, I've been contacting people and people are standing up. I love that. I'm I'm feeling like the way I've I've been around for a long time. And what I know is that people actually need like uh, they need like overhead uh, door monikers. They need to know when they go inside of a building that they're not just entering into a cult. They need to know whether or not this is 7-Eleven, if this is Walmart, if this is Kohl's, some kind of um, some kind of title that the the, the person or persons are um, utilizing so that there's a, a quasi accountability going on here. Do you understand what I'm getting yeah, at? Yeah, yeah, yeah. When we were calling these star search meetings, 
We don't have a legal entity. Okay. Uh, we are thinking of, of, of starting a nonprofit that we okay, can well, have these under. I, I, okay, so we're, we're in the pre-nonprofit uh, stages right now, and it's basically called Star Search. Yes. Right. Is there is there any kind of contact information that you yes. guys are disseminating by which, you know, you can have some feedback before, during and after these meetings? Yes, it's okay. info, I-N-F-O, at Tom Wong USA. That's T-O-M-W-O-N-G USA dot com. No, that's excellent. So we're talking about um, info at TomWongUS.com, right? USA.com. Oh, USA.com. Let me get that again. Info info at TomWongUSA.com. That's a simple, simple email address. I think that's great. And it's Star Search. It's just trying to find men and women who are willing to shine. Uh, for God's glory in the context of a lot of the challenges we are facing in our country. Uh, and, and and we need to be there. So your next meeting is going to be tomorrow at yeah. uh, at, at 5.30, at 6.30 at the uh, Newark Library, 5.30 to 7.30 at the Newark Library in Newark, yeah. California, right down the street here, right? Right. Now, how many, how many times, Leslie, have you guys had meetings so far? We've had uh, like three meetings. Okay. Are people coming out? Yes, they are. And, it, good, and good. it's great. No, I love it. I, I just want to I yeah. wanna promote that. I, I think we need to be doing that. So I'm very glad you called. I'm looking forward to seeing whether or not our, our program, which is picking up an audience, uh, will be ready to move, ready to engage, ready to to um, participate at some point. I'll show up at some of those meetings. I sure will. Um, uh, and I'm hoping and praying that we can get some momentum going so that we can uh, we can take California back for sound uh, governance principles, our constitutional rights, our, um, our amendments, and, a, uh, and uh, unashamedly a biblical worldview, because I think it's better for everyone. Thank you for your call, my, my dear sister. I hope you guys got that. I'm going to try to repeat that before the end of our program. I'm going to take another, another hard break, but I've got two lines open, one 367 Actually, I've got three lines open. one 367 When I come back, I'm going to talk about why we must engage or else. Why we must engage at the political level or else. I'll be right back. And now back to Lifeline. Indeed, we're back. The time 635 on the Monday edition of Lifeline. Three lines open. one 367 If you want to engage me on our topic, great callers, great topics, great questions, great information base. Um, this is what you have to do, ladies and gentlemen. I will go to the phone line in a minute. I did want to assert that. Um, and I've seen this over the 40 years that I've been uh, engaged in. Uh, in the Christian life, more than 40 years now, in the Christian life and engaging in public life. I um, inadvertently, by accident, found myself um, doing talk radio um, so sort of as an ad hoc thing with Joe Jackowitz um, in the mornings, Joe and Jesse in the mornings, many, many years ago, right around 9-11, as some of you may know. And God has allowed us to continue having conversations up till now. 
I definitely do ex- plan on expanding and uh, getting into podcasting as I'm putting together a, a program for that now so that we can continue to talk. Because if they can if they can continue to censor us and stop us from having the conversation, they can successfully curtail our hope because God is a God of speech. He spoke this world into existence and we are created in the Imago Day and are called to speak too. Now we're not to speak foolishness. We're not to speak babble. We're not to speak mysteries that cannot be interpreted. We're not to call attention to ourselves, but to, to the one true and living God and his son, Jesus, our Lord. And we are to call men and women to the word of God, a biblical worldview, so they can see things according to God because reality is only reality according to God. And when he shows us the truth about these things propositionally and providentially and uh, and circumstantially, uh, then we can know. So when I say that uh, we, we should get involved or else, or else you're looking up right now and the rot at the foundation of our educational system is so thorough that you wonder how it happened. Well, it happened over 50, 60, 70 years of uh, neo-Marxist, socialist, uh, cultural uh, Marxism invading the colleges and uh, and uh, transforming the professors and the scholars and uh, and uh, insidiously uh, implementing uh, a lot of the philosophical works of uh, and, and writings of Marx and, and and Hegel and and many of his um, and many of his his advocates, his mentors, as well as his um, his proteges from Marx up to the present time, uh, have dominated our educational system and has taken on this woke doctrine of changing the world from the bottom up. So you have a, a top down, bottom up assault on America that is transforming her right before your eyes incrementally from the legal system to the educational system to the medical system. It's also happening in the religious system. I've told you about that going all the way back to um, to Rick Warren and before um, uh, Crystal Cathedral and others with their ecumenical syncretistic anti-Bible uh, modalities of Christianity. Prosperity religion will always do that because it does not establish the boundaries that God has called for clearly in his word. And uh, when you remove the boundaries, as Solomon said, you will be bitten by the serpent. And that's what's happening. Many women are being bitten by the serpent because they're breaking the hedge of biblical truth at every fundamentally boundary oriented level at the level of who God is. For, for today, God is the universe and God is his she at the level of man and woman. Uh, today is no such thing as men and women. You are whatever you want to be across a litany of uh, identity markers and pronouns. Uh, at the level of marriage, marriage is not constituted by one man and one woman. Um, at, at the level of parental children relationship, today you are discovering that parents are nothing but patriarchal uh, oppressors dominating their children who need to be delivered from their parents by virtue of the neo-Marxist socialist school educators who will help them uh, obtain independence uh, as well as a departure from their uh, genetically and their gender defined uh, parents decree when they were when they were uh, initially born so that they can become anything they want to. Do you see what's going on, ladies and gentlemen? This is the world you live in. 
And it was predicted long ago by men uh, that uh, wrote artfully as 1984 and as uh, Brave New World and as many of the predictable programmings we've seen over the decades and years up to this present hour. So we can act like this is all a surprise. But in reality, God has been warning us about this over and over and over and over again. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. And uh, the only way to deal with that is you got to cut the leaven out. And uh, it would do well to start in the church, for sure. But you got to do it at the political level, too. So I am uh, giving much kudos to Leslie and Tom and all of the people that are willing to stand up and become much more of a concrete witness to God and to its fellow man today. Let me go to line number four or line number three and talk with, nope, line number four and talk with Elisa from Burlingame. Lisa, are you there? Hi, Jesse. Thank you. Um, hey, what's going praise on? The Lord for pe- praise the Lord for people like Leslie and Tom and yep, yep. and Jackie and people like that. Yep. Um, can you please connect? Okay, so you have AI, then you yep. whole have the whole transgender movement, and then you have the pedophilia and the yep. bestiality. Yep. Um, do they, are they just gutting out the human being to put in the AI so we have a bunch of zombies walking around? Kind of. That's a if you were uh, <laughs> if you were a producer for a movie with that kind of cast of characters that you just assimilated in about 30 seconds, this would be a absolutely difficult horror movie to track with because you already see where this is going. Right. Um, and, and I know you're smarter than that. Of course, the uh, the Walking Dead was a predictive programming model of men and women being destroyed by some cataclysmic disease or a cataclysmic virus or some kind of cataclysmic uh, uh, bacteria uh, that would make them go crazy in their mind and then begin to kill one another and uh, destroy one another uh, for the purpose of living because you can only continue to live if you kill each other. And so you're right about that one. That's predictive programming. And we're in a lot of ways doing that. That would be called cannibalism, as you know, and cannibalism is forbidden by scripture, but it does occur when men and women are living in such existential threats that um, that survival can only be accomplished by eating each other's flesh. And you and I have learned that comes from the law of God as a curse on humanity for forsaking his blessings. But I think we can organize it this way, uh, uh, Elisa, this way. I think we can go... <clears throat> Artificial intelligence is the last piece in this uh, diabolical, demonic, social construct of a new world order. The artificial intelligence component of it will be the um, supra uber man or really uh, divine oracle that will govern the whole system. Artificial intelligence will be the divine oracle that will govern the whole system as it is even now as we speak. As you already know, the metaverse has so many people asleep having taken the blue pill uh, that they are fundamentally unable to even awake up out of the um, delusion that uh, Aldous Huxley calls the brave new world. They just want to stay there. They don't want to be in any pain. They don't want to be in any struggle. They don't want to have to fight any battles. Just let them continue uh, on their 
their happy way into oblivion. And Klaus Schwab made it very plain. People like that, they won't own a thing and they'll be happy because they'll be loaded all the time, proverbially speaking. But yes, what we're seeing is the uh, first of all, the removal of God. That's the hierarchy. The diminishing of Jesus as the exclusive way <clears throat> that is the mediation and therefore the destruction of man and woman at the patriarchal level. That is an assault on the family and the exaltation of the woman into a matriarchal deification, which is emerging. I already told you that the woman is not being slated. Um, at this stage for complete annihilation, but she is the mechanism for transition. As you know, we are moving into what is called uh, transhumanism, and it's explicitly demonstrating itself at the level of trans women. Uh, so this is a kind of final stage before we enter into a, um, like you said, hollowing out of the spirit hollowing out of the um, the um, the agency of human beings being completely controlled by artificial intelligence and demons, obviously, at the groupthink level of beehive control, which is happening even now. We know this because we've seen them utilizing bands of people out in the streets to act like zombies and tearing up buildings and destroying public property in the name of a woke doctrine against, you know, people that have been long dead, uh, you know, just at command. This is a Pavlov's dog uh, metaphor that we see going on in our world today. Day, and it's about to happen again. So I think your characters are right. We want to just put some more flesh and meat on that, on the bones of that, uh, on that, on the, we would call that maybe let's say an idea or a, um, a proposition or a narrative. We want to flesh that narrative out. I know you're smart enough to be able to do that. Um, so that people can kind of get what's going on. You've got plenty upstairs in that noggin to do that with young ladies. So we're all right. You heard me. You know, we, we talk about this stuff all the time at Grace. Thank you for the call. I'm going to take a break, then I'll come back and talk with John from Oakland. This is the Monday edition of Lifeline. We'll be right back. And now back to Lifeline. We are back. Let's go to line number one and talk with Gloria from Canada. Hi, Gloria. Pastor Jesse. How are you? Oh, I'm not too bad, but I'll tell you, our country's going crazy, crazy, crazy. I know, it's remarkable. I heard some some foolish um, some foolish entertainer, Jim Carrey. I was watching a a, uh, a recent documentary that I sent out to most of you guys called The Awakening that is featured by um, the High Wire. Uh, this is the author who had done Plandemic One. He uh, just did a presentation called The Awakening and uh, it is fabulous um, catching up everybody to where we are. And Jim Carrey, who happens to be a citizen of Canada, was talking about how wonderful the medical uh, situation is there, how wonderful the government is, how wonderful socialism is there and I said to myself who in the world are you trying to fool exactly what are you thinking uh, I'm thinking um, I'm just hoping and praying that he doesn't allow you, you to be off the internet for us well you know think about this because I think about it a lot 
Um, there, there are many, many good voices out there. I mean, many good voices. They're taking on their own platforms right now, and they're doing a great job. If you, if you have, let's say, a thousand voices, and I'm sure there are more, but if you have a thousand voices and they're able to pick up, um, you know, on average, fifty thousand followers. You're, you're making a dent. You're making a dent. But I believe there are about 10,000 voices out there on platforms and uh, in, in uh, these social media outlets that uh, are picking up not only, you know, uh, 50,000, 10,000, but hundreds of thousands of people. And they're and they're doing their part. This is a beautiful thing. You, we don't have to be the dominant voice in the world. We don't want to engage in a reverse totalitarianism. Uh, and so the work is getting done, Gloria. It's getting done where the important people on the ground need to be informed. Because if our world is going to turn around, if we're going to see a salvaging of the corruption uh, and a impedance of the global agenda because it can be impeded until God ultimately is saying it's time for a uh, for a uh, total reconciliation of his own uh, presence and glory. It can be impeded as it has been up to this point. But it's going to be by boots on the ground. It's going to be by people making sure that voting rights are uh, upheld, making sure that there are enough people on the ground to take out totalitarian, fascistic, uh, tyrannical leaders and implement good men and women to uh, to give us a cause for living and thriving and uh, and serving each other as human beings in the way in which God would have us to do it. So um, I, I believe I believe that 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 will indeed occur. Um, I, I want you to be encouraged about that. I know it's hard, but um, I believe it, I believe it can occur. Uh, we just got to continue working at it. What's going on in your neck of the woods in terms of fellowship for you and others? Uh, well, there's no there's no real fellowship for us here unless I want to go and hear a lady pastor. Wow, is and, is that right? No. Yeah. Uh, where are you at in particularly? Well, I'm in Winnipeg, and yeah, I'm yeah, in um, the St. Yeah. Anne's area. Uh, that's part of St. Patel. Yeah, yeah. It's and uh, it's pretty. Salvation it's Army pretty just. Uh, like kind of almost uh oh just a just a walk away but it's a woman pastor right it's not going to work. She needs she needs to sit down. She's openly opposing the word of the living God and so it cannot be blessed. <laughs> It just can't. I'm sorry. It just can't. It can't. You know, we've been fighting that battle of where women's positions are and where women's roles are. And every woman that climbs into the pulpit, she might as well be a neo-Marxist, socialist, anti-Christ, anti-God advocate of uh, deconstruction of the Bible because the Bible is explicit about a woman shall not usurp authority over the man or to be in control or rule over him. This is clearly explicitly laid down. It turns things upside, upside down. All societies that understand the hierarchical relationship of roles in terms of marriage and relationship with men and women, especially in our churches, know not to fall prey to that because the only 
thing you're going to get out of that is liberal gobbledygook. Why? Because she doesn't have any authority to tell you to obey your husband, uh, to raise your children in the fear of the nurture of the Lord, to avoid adultery, fornication, homosexuality, uh, lesbianism, transvestitism and transgenderism and, and pedophilia. She has no authority to do that. So she is one of the rungs down the ladder into this dismal devolution of a deconstruction of our churches in our society. This has been going on for us here in California for decades as well. And and why men and women don't see it is because they are walking in a kind of compromised understanding of God's word. And it has never, ever benefited them, never have benefited them. So I'd much rather you watch a good faithful ministry online than to walk down the street and sit up under that woman pastor. And then I was thinking of going to a Nigerian church because I have so many precious Nigerian families yeah. that I love and I minister to and stuff. But yeah, but make sure that they're not speaking too. in tongues because they have a tendency to swing towards the prosperity, tongue-speaking modalities, yes. and uh, tongues without interpretation is another hostile, violent opposition against God because it destroys edification. Because if I don't understand what you're saying, I cannot be edified. You can hoodwink me emotionally and uh, take me for everything that I have. And certainly that's the way Satan works. So I, we love our uh, Nigerian brethren. We've got plenty of them at Grace. I go way, way back with them. But we know the foolishness of the prosperity gospel that dominates their yes. communities because they're much more interested in money than truly exalting God. So make sure that you don't go into that kind of hellhole. Have you, do you remember a pastor by the name and uh, he's got a video out and every time I listen to it and I shared it with some of my precious Nigerian people and others, that's my king? What's that? It's called That's My King. That that's a is that a ministry? That's my king. No, that's a, a black pastor. Uh, he's passed away now. He was a pastor in San Diego years ago, and he preached a message called "That's My King." And you know what I, uh, I, we're, we're coming on the end of our time. That probably was a great message. I'm 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 glad you shared it with it. Uh, one message can do a, do a lot when it's speaking to people about who the true God is, who the true Jesus is, what the true gospel is, and how the true people of God live live according to that gospel. That's a beautiful that's a beautiful recommendation. Uh, may the Lord continue to bless you, Gloria. Call again. Uh, my my time is up. I just want to wind it down by encouraging men and women to uh, continue fighting the good fight of faith. Uh, don't close your eyes. Don't go to sleep. Don't uh, be undiscerning. Ask God to help you find your calling. Find your calling. Don't be lazy. You have a gift. Use your powers, especially for our children. In Jesus' name.
Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of KFAX. Copyright Salem Communications, all rights reserved.